Hey, my name is Shannon Lee, and you're listening to The Slapcast. Hey, everyone, what's up? Welcome to March. Bring on spring, that's all I've got to say. I do not like the winter. I've tried every which way from Sunday to actually get a better attitude about the cold and the snow. And I'm here to tell you, it is just not happening. So I'm focusing on the few days that we get in the winter that are unseasonably warm. Maybe a little bit of sunshine peeks through despite the cold temperatures. Do you like the cold, Jonathan, Jason? Isn't it, it's just, you know what it is? It's the lack of sunshine. It's a lack of sunshine. I actually take this maximum dose of vitamin D just to get me through the winter. It's like a once a week vitamin because I suffer so much without that sunshine. It's called seasonal affective disorder, SAD, no wonder. It's like the perfect acronym. Anyway, reminders, you can find this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. And we would love it if you would do us a favor and like and subscribe. Share it with your friends, your relatives, or people you don't like. We don't mind. Um, We appreciate your kindness. And if you want to reach us, you can reach out to us at Relay Leadership on all the socials, as well as our email, which is slapcast at relayleadership.org. Now, we've got some upcoming learning opportunities for those of you who are local. Anyone who wants to travel, though, you're welcome to come into town, of course. Mark April 29th on your calendars. This is our annual event. It's called Leadership Forum, and this year's theme is Leading Engagement. It's Leadership Forum presented by Cover My Meds. They are our partner in this event this year. I'm going to have our keynote speaker, Jason Barger, on here in a few weeks to share more on workplace engagement from a culture perspective. Culture really is his specialty, and he's the author of a book called Thermostat Cultures. So more on that in a little while. So speaking of books, a little shameless plug here. I wrote a book. Yes, I did. It's called Servant Leader Mindset, Transforming Your Leadership from the Inside Out. You all know how much I love talking about mindset and how I truly believe that our mindset impacts our feelings, our choices, and really impacts, therefore, our results. And so I wrote a book about it in relationship to embodying servant leadership. And it's these five mindsets that I believe you need to adopt to really live and breathe and embody servant leadership. So it's coming out, actually it's out now and you can find it anywhere on Amazon. Just look up my name with Servant Leader Mindset and you'll find it. So on today's episode, I'm focusing on our theme for the month at Relay, which is release. Release is the R and care. Care model is a model for leadership that is inspired by servant leadership. And you guessed it, it's mindset heavy. So I'm going to talk to you about what I mean by release as a mindset in leadership. And then also some strategies and tactics you can use to start implementing this idea of release. Now, this is going to be a two-part podcast. So this is part one. And today we're gonna talk more about that mindset. So let's get going. Welcome back. All right. So we're talking about release. And for me, release is all about empowering others to do their jobs, 
and part of yours, if you have direct reports, getting out of their way and helping them become accountable for their results. Okay. It's a lot. So I'm going to try to break this down as much as I can. And that's why this is going to be a two-parter. So for starters, I want to hone in on this idea that release is a mindset. It's the way we think about delegation. It's the way we think about releasing parts of our jobs and releasing people to do their job. Now, first of all, I want to point something out. Some people might think that stating that you release people to do their jobs is almost too obvious. I would argue that it's not. I work with leaders all the time. In our organization, we do workshops and coaching and long-term training programs. And over and over again, what I keep finding is that leaders have people working for them who have certain job descriptions, things that they're supposed to be doing every day, projects that they're supposed to be finishing. And yet this leader feels overwhelmed. And when you dig deep enough to find out what the cause is, It's because they are still doing the work of those who work for them. Now, granted, when you first hire people, um, when maybe someone is learning a new task or has a new goal or objective at work, there are times where you as a leader have to take more time to teach them and to coach them, but you should not be doing their work. That is totally different. And it's undermining to the person that you've just asked to do the job. So we have to get in our mind that delegation, or as we call release, is not about just giving them work to do and keeping people busy. It's not about delegating and for the purpose of just getting stuff off your plate. The mindset starts with this idea that we delegate and release work to others because we care about their development. We see work as a development opportunity. I'll even go as far as to say, we see everyday work as a co-creative opportunity. This person whom you've hired is co-creating something with you, with the organization, with their team to get stuff done that gets some kind of desired result that hopefully is ultimately reaching an organizational goal, right? So if all we focus on is just getting stuff off our plates and sending busy work to people, what we're essentially doing is giving them meaningless work. Now, this is something that I tell my staff And I tell this to people that I coach, I'm okay if 20% or less of your week feels like it's grunt work, maybe has a little less meaning, maybe isn't your favorite thing to do. But if it starts to creep into that over 20% bracket and it's consistent, meaning 30, 40, 50% of your week, week in and week out, month in and month out. If that's made up of stuff that's meaningless for you, something needs to change. So word to the wise, do that gut check with the folks that work for you leaders. Ask the question, how much of your job sucks? Is it more than 20%? We've got to have a conversation. Is it less? That's the sweet spot. Because the truth is, is that none of us has a job, at least I haven't met someone yet, None of us has a job where we could say 100% of every hour at work, 100% of every week, every month, and every year is exactly what we want to be doing all the time. Because honestly, even the things I love about my job, I sometimes get tired of doing. And sometimes they temporarily fall into that suck category. So we have to have this mindset. Start with this idea that the reason I'm giving 
you work. The reason I'm giving you goals and objectives, the reason I'm even giving you a little bit of my responsibilities is so that you can grow and learn and develop as a professional. This means that releasing to others must be intentional. And there are ways we can be intentional with what we give to those who work for us. For example, what transferable skills does this person have? You might think it's silly to look at it this way, but when we hire folks, we're looking primarily, at least on the surface, for transferable skills, even if the job descriptions don't match. Was this person a people person at this job? Is the job I'm looking for requiring a people person? That's a transferable skill, even if the job itself is not the same. When you think about aspects of work that have transferable skills, you have to consider where this person is in their transferable skills in comparison to the job that you've given them to do. Some people do not have as high of transferable skills than others. That means that they are at a certain development level. But you also want to think about what skills do they have that are goal-specific or task-specific, job-specific, right? Because I might have tons of transferable skills, let's say, in a job. So let's say I worked at employer A and I was a CPA, And now I've left employer A and I'm working with employer B and they've hired me to be a CPA. High transferable skill, correct? But this person who now works for employer B, here's what they don't have. They don't have any goal specific skills because maybe the goals are different at the second organization. The culture is different. They don't know who they're supposed to go to for what to address certain problems certain problems or certain issues. And so sometimes the skills that are needed to navigate the landscape of a new employer are not the same, even though the job itself, even though the transferable skills might be the same. So we have to consider that. That affects someone's development level when they are working for us. We also need to think about competency in each of those skills. Is someone's transferable skills high? Are they low? Are they moderate? Are there goal-specific or task-specific goals, I'm sorry, skills, are they high or low or moderate? All of that plays a role. Additionally, we have to think about what motivates people. Are they motivated in a quality way? Meaning, is their motivation high or is it low? Is it moderate? Obviously, a high quality of motivation is high motivation. Low quality of motivation is low motivation. This is pretty obvious, but how often do we stop and really think about how motivated is this employee around this task or this goal? If you're not sure, I would suggest the quickest way to find out is to ask. You've heard about SMART goals before, right? So when we give out SMART goals, a lot of people like to use for for the M in SMART, they like to use measurable I actually prefer Ken Blanchard's version where the M is motivating. Because if I give you a goal that's a SMART goal, it's specific and it's measurable, but it's not motivating to you, then that is going to require a lot more direction and a lot more time from me as the leader. And I've got to think about that dynamic. So we must know where the motivation is of the folks who are working for us so that we can identify where they are developmentally. 
And finally, we need to understand what the confidence, the confident level, confidence level is of the folks who are working for us. So someone may come in with high transferable skills, but actually have low confidence in their abilities because they're simply in a new environment. That completely impacts even their transferable skill. A great example of this is if you've ever had someone working with you or for you, that you're seeing such an obvious connection between the task at hand, the goal, and what you believe to be a transferable skill, and you know they've done this before, and yet they are faltering, more than likely the faltering component is not their skill set, not their competency, but their confidence. That too is a development issue. So think about yourself. Think about whenever you're learning something new. In the beginning, you're very excited because you've got something new that you're going to learn. But then discouragement sets in and maybe your confidence wanes. That's when practice comes into play and when you need more help, more coaching. And then you start to get a little bit of experience under your belt. The confidence starts to rise, but maybe you hit a few roadblocks. And then finally, you become very competent and you're self-motivated and autonomous. What leaders want, I think secretly, is they want to hire people that are highly confident and highly competent from the get-go. And the problem is, is this is an unrealistic expectation. And when we're expecting people to show up this way, we're not giving them what they need to succeed. Once the leader understands where their direct report is and all of these things and their transferable skills, their job-specific skills, their motivation, their competency, and their confidence, once they understand these things, they can then figure out how much direction and how much support their direct report needs to be successful. I think of direction and support as levers, as pedals, if you will, that each level of development requires a degree of direction and a degree of support. So many performance issues are really development issues, meaning, you know, you've got someone who is maybe performing poorly and then it's mishandled right? Someone isn't performing well on the job. And so we treat it like it's a performance issue and we put them on a performance plan or written, you know, we're going to write them up and discipline them. I was just talking to someone uh, on an earlier recording of the podcast that, you know, and I agree with her. I I prefer the, the carrot versus the stick in motivating others. And yet so much human psychology study and and so much of um, sociology tells us that what motivates most of us is pain, right? I still believe that if we can tap into what motivates people to get work done and motivates people to learn that the carrot is the better way. And yet the quickest way is a performance improvement plan, something punitive, because when people are fearful, sometimes it causes pain and they change. But here's the problem with using fear tactics to motivate people to change. It actually in the long run works against you as a leader. Why? When we are in fear, our brains physiologically shut down choices. In the workplace, what this looks like is we shut down innovation. We shut down ideas. Now this person is dependent on you for the exact direction that they need all the time, forever, infinitely. And now they are almost 
almost codependent on your leadership in order to get stuff done because they've been so wrapped up in fear of your retribution, fear of punitive action, fear of being written up that they look to you for every single step-by-step direction and they never become an autonomous performer. The way to get people to autonomy is to give them room to fail, give them the appropriate amounts of direction and support so that they can get there. People need to fail safely. They need to know that they can mess up and it's not the end of the world. This has to happen. And then ultimately, leader, you will get what you want, which is an autonomous performer. This person's going to then come to you and say, okay, what's next? I've got, I need a new thing to tackle. Give me someone to train. I'm ready for my own direct report. I want to learn a new thing. I want to conquer a new project. We love that. Would you much, much rather have to push people like pushing a wet noodle? Try to push a wet noodle after you listen to this. It's very, very difficult. I would rather my employees drag me. And here's what I mean. I would rather them be coming to me saying, hey, we need stuff from you. We need answers. We need this. We need that. I've got this idea. What about this initiative? That tells me that they are developing towards autonomy because now they're innovating. And innovation does not happen in environments of fear. So we have these performance issues. I believe 80% of them are development issues and they can be alleviated if the leader just figures out how to give the appropriate amounts of direction and support based on their development level. So we think we just give people these SMART goals and they're off to the races. That's not true. What happens after that SMART goal is where the direction support come into play. So a lot of folks think, well, I've got them. I gave them their specific goal. They know when it's due. And then the leader is flabbergasted that the direct report or the employee didn't get the job done on time or didn't get it done within expectations. That is a telltale sign that the leader did not provide the correct amount of direction to that employee. With the right direction support, then the leader can get intentional with their releasing and they can stop doing the two mistakes, stop committing the two errors of performance management, which is over-supervision, otherwise known in casually as micromanaging, <laughs> or under-supervision, which is abdication. But they call it delegation. They say, oh, I delegated that. Well, when you delegate and walk away and remove yourself from the communication loop, remove yourself of the responsibility to train and coach that person and to retrain them and re-coach them because it doesn't, you know, it takes more than one time. Essentially, what you've done is abdicated. You have not delegated. And that, my dear friends, is under supervision. Both are called delegation in many people's minds, but they are not. Remember, we release or we delegate, not because it's a good leadership move to delegate, although it is. Our mindset is we release to provide development opportunities to others. That's the big mindset idea behind release. And the second part of that is in order to do that, we must know their development level so that when we release work to them, we're doing it in a way that provides the correct direction and support. Now, next time, next episode, I want to talk to you about what those four development levels look like and how the leader has to juggle, so to speak, their style to match up. 
Now, we've got Leadership Forum coming up on April 29th. You can find all of the information on our website at relayleadership.com slash LF2020. That's L as in love, F as in friend. I like that. That's not the official, like, you know, what the Army uses or whatever the call letters. Does anyone know what the L and F are? Lima. Lima. Lima and Foxtrot. It is Foxtrot, Lima and Foxtrot. So Lima Foxtrot 2020. <laughs> that's the that's the slug for the website. Um, I mention this because the theme this year, as I mentioned before, is leading engagement. Engagement is a huge hot button right now in the workplace, and Gallup has reported improvement in engagement scores for the first time in about 18 years, but the improvement is still only a few percent. It's a significant percent, don't get me wrong, but it still leaves us with this terrible number that 66% of us are still disengaged at work. And so we're going to tackle this topic at Leadership Forum. I hope to see you there. Bring your whole team. It's going to be a highly engaging morning. You're not going to sit there for three hours and just listen to people talk to you. You're going to talk to folks. We're going to have discussions. There's going to be some surprises there. So make sure you join us on April 29th at Leadership Forum. All right. Until next time.